Corey with the Space Foundation, and you're listening to Space For You. Space For You podcast is designed to tell the stories of the amazing people who make today's space exploration possible. Today, we're joined by Ashley Smith, who is a member of the Space Foundation Teacher Liaison Program. Teacher liaisons are extraordinary educators who use space-related education programs and principles in the classroom to act as advocates for space-based education in their schools and districts. The program began in 2004 as a way to connect with educators throughout the world. Since then, more than 250 educators are active teacher liaisons. So they're basically rock stars. And Ashley Smith is also one of those rock stars. Ashley Smith instructs physical science at Cranbrook Schools located in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. An early adopter of educational technology and facilitative learning, Smith counts flipping her classroom as one of her top achievements. For this effort, she was recognized by TechSmith Corporation as Screencast Champion and awarded the honor of Exemplary Teacher by the Cranbrook Educational Community. For Smith, flipping her classroom means more time with students exploring real-world projects and introducing new technology. Smith uses space science to encourage her students to dream big and cites inspiring young girls to develop an interest in STEM and consider STEM careers as driving passions. In 2016, Ashley Smith was honored to present a TEDx talk entitled Inspiring the Astronauts of Tomorrow. She was the recipient of the prestigious 2017 Alan Shepard Technology and Education Award presented by NASA, Astronaut Memorial Foundation, and the Space Foundation. She was also recognized by the Science Channel as a science superhero and is the recipient of the 2019 Exceptional Educator Award presented by the Center for the Advancement of Science in Space, or CASIS. In addition to instruction, Smith chairs an innovative committee charged with furthering a relationship between Cranbrook Schools and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, or MIT. She is an active participant with the Cubes in Space program, sending numerous student experiments to space each year, and acts as a teacher ambassador with CASIS writing curriculum. Alrighty, so first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Ashley Smith, and I am from Rochester Hills, Michigan, which is a suburb of Detroit, and I teach all girls in a middle school. School is uh, pre-K through 12th. But what we do, which is kind of unique, is we split the boys and the girls after fifth grade. We split them into two separate middle schools, sixth, seventh, and eighth. And so I teach in the girls' school, eighth grade girls. And I've been in my position for 16 years. So I've mastered how I approach physical science with 12, 13, 14-year-old adolescent girls. Yeah. Well, that's quite a feat to take on. And trying to motivate them in that particular type of science is... A challenge, but it's something that I I embrace, and 
I, I enjoy seeing them light up when they understand a concept. Right. And Absolutely. you can really apply it to everyday life, which is why I like this branch of science. Well, and it's it's definitely, especially with girls, to be able to inspire the next kind of generation of, of Definitely. Science. Yeah. I haven't really wanted to leave the position that I'm in because of that captive audience that I have, that single gender environment. I can really kind of cater the lessons to the female brain mm-hmm. and make it exciting for females. A lot of the things that I have in my room cater to females, the different images that I have, the way that I approach different um, concepts, I, I just make it more interesting to females. Yeah, that's awesome. So you were the recipient of the 2017 Alan Shepard Technology and Education Award, if you can say that five times fast, <laughs> then uh, I'll give you a crown. And you have created and implemented lessons kind of incorporating some technology in your classroom. Can you kind of explain what those technologies yeah, are? Yeah, that award was pretty incredible, and I think Space Foundation for letting me um, experience that two years ago. I think that it all started in 2011 when I learned about flipping your classroom. And so the idea with flipping your classroom is that students, well, let me back up. The traditional classroom, a teacher will lecture in front of a group and then a student is expected to go home and do problems, do worksheets about that lesson. But what we are forgetting is that we have so many different types of learners and not all students can pick up on the concept in that 45 minute period as fast as the teacher might might teach it. That you can't go back in slides, they need you to go slower. They're often embarrassed to raise their hand and, and, and make a spectacle out of themselves, if right. you will. And so they struggle doing the homework and they come back the next day and they might not have the homework or they may copy their homework off their partner and they're just not learning the concept in the proper way. So the idea with the flipped classroom is I've made Um, over 100 content videos that my students have access to and what they do is I'll sign a a video and they'll go home they'll watch the video and the videos are like 8 to 10 minutes It, it really depends on their age and they watch the video they take notes they can go at their own pace they can rewind the lecture listen to you again but they don't have that anxiety nervousness to go back a slide or if they want if they're not bored if they go too fast you know if they're picking up on it pretty quickly there's always assessment questions at the end that the it auto grades which is kind of nice for me but the idea is that they come back to school the next day and they kind of have this grasp of a concept they don't have all the details i still need to explain some of the details but they have a grasp of the concept and now you can give them those worksheets or you can have a group working on a problem and you can help this student one-on-one if they need a little bit more assistance. It's also opened up a lot of time for me to do more labs in my science classroom. I can also incorporate more technology which is kind of what the Ellen Shepard Ward really focused on. The videos that I created I've also implemented a lot of augmented reality into the classroom we use our maker space um, to, to build things. So what I enjoy with the girls is that I can implement these engineering design methods or design thinking methods and, and really get the girls to try something new and they're not intimidated if they have boys in the classroom. And typically the research shows that boys could possibly dominate the lab or start tinkering with the materials and the girls tend to take a step back and you're eliminating that now, and you're kind of putting them on the same playing, the even playing field, and letting them kind of get their hands dirty. 
so that's what I enjoy that with with all the girls and um, introducing them to higher level concepts and showing them that they can they can do this yeah well and to be able to do the videos from home kind of negates that bogged down you know you're able to kind of play in the classroom I imagine yeah know? exactly and if, if we need to go outside and 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 do something that's right then and there, I have the opportunity. I have a lot more time now. I've been able to incorporate a lot more NASA uh, lessons that I really enjoy, a lot of space science. I have more time to incorporate that into the curriculum. And it's quite easy with um, the physical science curriculum that I teach. It's quite easy to, to take a NASA lesson and incorporate it any way you want. I just recently, last week, I incorporated, We I was just starting to talk about physics and reference points and speed. And I have a picture of the space station up on my board and, and talking to them about how um, fast are we moving. And you know, initially, students are saying, well, you're not moving at all. But then you get them to think about reference points and you say, you know, what about these, these astronauts on the space station? If they're looking down on you, how fast are you moving? And then they start seeing, oh, I'm, I'm moving as fast as the Earth is rotating. So it's for them to see the bigger picture is what I try I try to get after. I try to get them to, to look at the world differently and, and apply these science concepts to their everyday life. Man, where were you when I was growing up? Man, <laughs> I, w- I would have loved to, to be in that class. That sounds exciting and awesome. Um, so how do you believe that those technologies that you were kind of talking about will propel kind of the next generation of, of STEM professionals, especially women STEM professionals? Well, my students, when they leave me from the middle school, they'll go into the upper school, and they um, start getting more blended co-ed classes. But I still have contact with them. They'll come back and they'll tell me how they're doing in their upper level classes, which is always nice. They uh, they often want to know what my links for my videos are because they want to refresh their memory if they're taking like a junior junior year chemistry. So that's all. That's always nice. I also like to hear where they're applying for schools, and and I start I start hearing more and more of these these engineering programs that they're applying for, or maybe they're going into chemistry, and so that's also nice. Social media makes it nice when my students graduate high school and they're in college. I tell them, okay, I can friend you on Facebook, and I often have kids friending me, and I just had um, a really awesome experience a couple of years ago where it was one of my very first students. Um, I think it was back in two thousand. And she found me on social media a couple years ago, and she wrote me the nicest comment about how I inspired her to go into sciences, and she just got accepted in medical school. And so those kind of things, like, just really fill my bucket, if you will. And I try to keep, like, you know, if I get an email, like, try to keep it on the side of, like, when you're having a bad day, kind of perk you up. But I I really I really want my girls to see that, um, you know, there's a lot more female presence in these type of careers now. When I, I remember when I was in school, you know, I, I didn't see as many females. It, I wasn't exposed to as many. And when you when you talked about NASA, you always thought of like white men, white collar jobs. But now I try to show them posters of, you know, put up posters of different ethnicities, different ages like of women though and to show them that this is possible and if you are excited about it if you have the passion you can achieve it and and that's kind of like my my driving force behind a lot of the things that I you know 
present to the girls. Yeah. And that kind of goes along with the thing, you know, if you if you see it, then you can be it. And I think that's the issue that a lot of girls don't exactly. see. Exactly, yeah. So I don't think it's possible, so. We also try to promote a growth mindset in our school. We have a lot of um, stickers around our school with the word yet. And the idea with the word yet, it kind of makes you think when you see it, like, why are those stickers there? But it's the idea of, like, you haven't mastered it yet. You know, you, you often hear kids saying, oh, I'm so bad at math, or... I hate physics or you just don't understand it yet. Give yourself time and and keep practicing with algebra. You'll get it. If you look at like Venus Williams, she didn't become the best tennis player internationally. She worked hard and she practiced. And they always say with sports, you know, like 10,000 hours or so to be a professional or to be the best at your game, right? And I just I just keep emphasizing that. You 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 got to keep practicing if you want to get good at it. I have a lot of friends in the in the space education field, and we always um, use the same quote, uh, dare mighty things. And the idea with that, and I have that in my classroom, is that if you don't set your goals high, then, then, then what do you have? You're not, you're not challenging yourself. I, have, I actually have uh, a NASA astronaut application letter, my rejection letter. <laughs> I have it framed in my classroom. And, you know, people laugh that it's your rejection letter. I'm like, but do you have a, you know, official NASA letter? You know, that's a big deal to me. And, you know, my dear mighty things quote is right under it. Because I want to show them that I'm not scared to do things like apply to NASA. Right. You know, 18,000 other people did too, but at least I tried. At least you tried. And, and trying to get them to to change their mindset and um, to have less of a fixed mindset and more of a growth mindset. And that, I just, you know, I try to really push for that. Yeah, absolutely. So what was kind of one of your favorite technologies that that you developed? If you have one. Well, definitely my flip classroom. It, It was a lot of work. I learned about it. They suggested trying to do one lesson or one unit. And my personality is like, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna go all the way or it's not worth it. Why would I just like, you know, for one unit, show them this cool new way of learning and then go back to traditional methods. Right. So I worked in 2012. I was up every night till midnight. I, my boys were really young. I think they were three and five. And they were in my videos. So it's kind of like a time capsule now because I watch the videos and they're so little. But I worked really hard and I, I, um, I, I just kept plugging away at it because I wanted a whole library of videos. I wanted my whole year to be flipped and I and I achieved that and it wasn't easy it, it it wasn't perfect when I started rolling it out the videos were too long and I would ask the girls I would send out surveys and I sent out surveys to the parents too because I knew that they were watching their kids on the computer more and more and I and I just kept getting feedback and I, and I would go back and I'd edit and I'd make them shorter I'd change questions I'd change content and they just got better and better and now I have this library of videos and the girls love it. They love when I assign a video, and they kind of get disappointed when they don't have one during the week. I don't assign it every single day, but they really enjoy uh, watching the videos, and they'd much rather do that than do a worksheet. Right, absolutely. Um, absolutely. How do you believe that these lessons have impacted the girls? Because you've been, you've been teaching at Cranbrook Kingswood Middle School? Cranbrook Kingswood, yeah. Okay. Cranbrook schools, yeah. Mm -hmm. Since 2003? Since 2003, yeah. Wow. And so I I actually came from an experiential 
educate education background, outdoor education background. And I think that's that molded me to the type of teacher I am. My degree focus was it was my degree was in um, environmental biology and zoology with an emphasis in marine biology. So it was completely not space related. But after after college, I got a job in the Florida Keys, and it was teaching marine biology to kids on boats about coral or in seagrass beds about seagrass and the ecology or rocky intertidal, and just the 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 kids just soaked it in. It was such an amazing experience, and that was my first exposure to teaching. And so the so I think that 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 experience really molded me as a teacher and in the classroom the way that I teach the concepts. It's it's very authentic, and and I get really excited about it. And I think because I get excited about it, it just it just naturally kind of they get excited about it. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what's been driving me, you know, for the past 16 years yeah. uh, to keep going. Yeah. Um, I think I kind of went off your question a little no, bit. No, no, not at all. Well, and I mean, you know, if you're excited in the classroom, then that... They see it. Sure. I mean, I, th- I think they will know if a teacher is bored with the subject right. and they're yawning, they're not paying attention. And so I'm jumping around and yelling, I'm doing a, a demo or something like that. I think my favorite lesson of the year... And I just love messing with them because, you know, it's all girls. So you, you really can adjust it to that. I don't know what I would do if they moved me to the boys' school. I'd have to change the way that I teach, definitely. But my favorite lesson of the year is a, is a lesson I learned at space camp. I went to space camp with Honeywell. had a, a scholarship program where they sent teachers down to space camp oh, wow. for a week. And it was a lot of professional development. It was That's what got me interested in space in 2015. And it totally sparked something. And I've been, you know, riding that wave ever since. But they, I learned this lesson there, and it's, it's amazing. It's basically the um, water filtration system up on, on the space station, the environmental control and life support system. And you present the system to them and how it works on space station but you tell them about how you recycle all the water it could be from you know how you brush your teeth if there's any water droplets that come off you know from doing that or if you've ever watched the um, female astronauts washing their hair it's very interesting but you get a lot of like water droplets going into the to the air and then the filter kind of grabs it but the best thing that I tell them is about how when they when they use the bathroom, they they filter it and they try to remove as much water as they can from the urine. And so I kind of mess with the girls. This kind of might sound really bad, but I tell I, I tell them I've been storing my urine for two weeks, and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's it's in my storage closet." And so I get them thinking this the whole time. It's hilarious. And so then on the day of the filtration, you know, they get to choose what. Uh, materials they can use but everything's got a cost so you kind of relate it to if you were an engineer working for NASA you have a budget and so you talk about budgets and all that kind of stuff and you know the the, the best team that filtered it or the clear pH is perfect clarity um, conductivity is really low you know you'll be the team that's selected you'll win the bid yeah. telling them how the bidding process works but you give them this cup, and it's yellow, and it's liquid, and you, and you might tear up some cotton balls. It's like lemon juice and, and, and food coloring and stuff. But they're just like, they're like, do you have gloves? I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys can have gloves, definitely. And, <laughs> and you know, and you give them the cups, and they, there's like the charcoal, and there's pasta, and there's sand, and 
and they don't know a whole lot about what to use but and you don't tell them a whole lot either because you want them to experiment and if you if they a lot of them want to do it a second take because they want to get it even better and I think that is a big takeaway when kid wants to do that lab again the next day to make it better I think then you know you know you could check that off as like that's a successful lab but and then you tell them at the end you know really it was just water and lemon juice but they're they get so competitive and you should see these cups and you know have you have your control and it's yellow and then all these samples are most of them are gray (laughs) because of the charcoal a lot of them are black but you get a couple of them that are clear and one of the big things is efficiency. So how much, I give you 250 milliliters, how much can you get back? And some of them waste it all, like the cotton balls, they use cotton balls, soaks it all up. But a lot of them get a, a lot of um, uh, volume at the end. And, and then you challenge them like, well, this looks pretty good and your pH is pretty good. Like you might get an extra credit point if you drink it. And, so, and they're like, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And they'll, <laughs> and they'll take sips and... They're like, it's salty. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so fun. Yeah. And they, they just get a kick out of it. And I guarantee you with a classroom full of boys, that would probably... It probably, would go a little differently. Would. I would do it with them, but I would have to approach it completely right, different. Right, right. <laughs> but that, I mean, that makes it kind of interesting, right? But you know, like, yeah. when they come back to you as a 10th grader, 11th grader, and they're like, oh my gosh, I remember when you did the water filtration. Like, you said it was your pee, but it really wasn't. Yeah. Or we do this big... Um, uh, Physics Olympics. My my coworker, my teammate, who's the math teacher, and I, um, we're in our thirteenth year of it, oh. and it's a whole day of competition. But they use the whole month of April to prep for it, and they make catapults, egg catching devices. They make instruments. They mail Pringle chip through the mail. We we do a big trebuchet presentation, and we launch watermelons and stuff. They remember that. They come back from high school. They remember that NASA filtration. They remember the math, physics, Olympics. But they don't remember little things like what's the difference between a solution and a suspension. Right. You know. But it's it's all about that authentic lesson to really hook them. But that's how you're going to get those kids to major in STEM. Right. You know, if you if you hook them early on, yeah. and that's kind of that's where I get on my soapbox and I start talking about you know STEM in middle school and and how if you excite them more likely than none they're going to go into it later on and take those hard those those harder classes 11th and 12th grade right well and especially with space you know I I don't think I really realized it until I started working here that it literally connects to everything everything you can connect it to everything and I think it's so appealing and people like it so much is because it's like you can use your imagination and it's just so wondrous there's a lot of discovery it's just there's always new things and you know I like it I I actually have live space station feed in my classroom I have this little device called an ISS above that a friend of mine created out of California and you know having that they could see live images and they're like oh my gosh it's gonna go over Michigan and it lights up when it gets close to your area but having that kind of stuff and and getting them excited, you know, most people are excited about space because it's just so, you know, you're curious about it. It's so exciting. You tell them that we just launched a rocket, we sent another uh, rover to Mars, yeah. And you say, you know, you guys don't even know what jobs are going to be there for you right. when you're 25 years old, and who knows what could happen? We could be one step closer to getting to Mars. We could have a habitat around the moon. These things are happening. And I think we, I didn't experience that as much in the 90s because there wasn't as much 
you know, PR. We didn't have social media. We didn't have cell phones. There wasn't YouTube. And because of that, I I didn't have that exposure. I wasn't as excited about it. Of course, I was in elementary school with Krista McAuliffe and the Challenger, but um, I was really young. And, you know, it it didn't impact me like it would have impacted a high schooler. But but I, I think nowadays with technology and what it has to offer and what educators can do with that, it's just it opens so many doors and these kids get so excited. Last year when Elon Musk launched his car, his Tesla, I mean, I had kids staying after school just because they wanted to watch it on my smart board right. with the big, loud, you know, yeah. speakers that I have, and we could all watch it together and get really excited. And I didn't even, like, say anything about it. They just stayed. And I think that says a lot, yeah. you know, that they're so excited about it. And, you know, I'm telling them about how we're going to launch humans again from Florida, like, this summer. And we haven't done that since 2011. Like, things are changing. Things are accelerating. And you need to jump on board. This is exciting. Well, and to be able to see it, like, yeah. it kind of goes back in to real the time. hooking them in. Hooking you know, there's, them. there's something about seeing it and actually, you know, wow, this is real. Yeah. I have a program. Um, it's extracurricular. It's called Cubes in Space. And um, I joined that that program four years ago I think it's a five-year-old program I joined it four years ago and my first year I had like um, maybe 15 17 kids we had one um, experiment we had one proposal and the idea is you you research throughout the year and you have to design an experiment that fits in a four centimeter by four centimeter cube Mm -hmm. little tiny cube and you write your proposal the cube can go in a sounding rocket which is just a suborbital launch seven minute flight experiences a little bit of microgravity um, but extreme temperature changes or you can launch on a high altitude balloon which is actually more rich science because it goes above the stratosphere it's up there for about 30 48 hours you get a lot of radiation exposure so four years ago was our first year I was trying to figure out time to meet we met after school not everybody can meet because of sports and all that kind of stuff or extracurriculars but I learned a lot and the girls got excited and we got accepted we launched it came back you know, we tested it. It was great. The next year, same thing. But every year I've gotten more and more girls. And this year, <laughs> I had so many girls and so many proposals. I was, like, losing my mind. But at the, now, in retrospect, I'm glad I did it. But I, I was so stressed out. And what we're doing right now, in April, we're kind of in a holding process because we're waiting to see if our proposals get accepted. Okay. So we have 18 different experiments. Wow. And the fact that they were able to come up with that many different ideas, and I just kind of acted like a facilitator. But now that I'm reflecting on this year, we started in October, now it's April, you know, it just shows me that, oh, I'm, I think I'm implanting a little bit of excitement of space and, you know, trying something new. And, and, I, and I tell them, you know, you may get rejected. And I think, I think girls especially need to experience that failure. In a positive environment. If they get rejected, they knew that they've worked really hard, but this is just what happens. And they're going to continue on and be a successful high school student, but I kind of like that factor. I hope they don't get rejected, but, you know, this is a big possibility because it's real. I mean, there's NASA engineers, there's cubes and space professionals all evaluating these proposals. And they're written very scientifically, you know, exactly what they're looking for. Not like, you know, your English language arts paper. So it's really given them exposure. And you're talking about 13, 14-year-olds that are doing this. So it was a big feat. 
but now I'm looking at it as uh, I'm glad that we we um, we broke it down and we had all these different kind right. of proposals instead of you know having so many people work on one. Well, that we once again it goes back to what you're saying. I mean, at yeah. least you tried. Exactly. You know, at yeah. Least these these girls know that if you try, and it, so they, they know the 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 consequences, and yeah. I think that's what's going to make it even more special if they get chosen. Okay. That they know that they were a select small group of experiments that were chosen. And um, that's going to mean even more. And they can go watch the rocket launch, too, Absolutely. which is kind of cool. Absolutely. Um, so that that really fuels my fire. I get really excited about that. Yeah. And they're doing, we're doing it outside of your normal class. We're finding time, like, you know, during the day, or we're talking on the weekends on Google, you know, docs. We're, uh-huh. you know, sharing comments and stuff like that. That's really cool. You had mentioned Kristen McAuliffe. Um, would you say that she was your space role model? Or? So obviously, like she is now as a teacher doing what she was doing. And especially this past year, it was there were educators on board the space station. And I think um, that really impacted me because, you know, they they took her lessons and they tweaked them from the 80s, made them more up-to-date 21st century kind of learning but I think that was awesome when I was young you know it didn't really impact me as much but I think she's for sure someone that I think about now as an educator and I think back to how she got to where you know she did it it, I I think about that and I I reflect on it talk about a legacy yeah exactly I think as far as role models go though my biggest, well, my mother uh, is a nurse, and I think she really kind of exposed me to science. My dad started in electrical engineering and then kind of diff- went different paths, but he had that math type of thinking as well, and so he inspired me to kind of keep trucking, you know, that yet that growth um, mindset, you know, keep working on the math. Uh, but my mom always helped me with the biology and stuff when I was studying it. But then I, I have really vivid memories of my science teachers in high school and there were three men but they just had that passion and it really kind of like affected me to the point where I went to college and majored in science but then after I decided I wanted to do teaching it was after my undergrad I went back for my master's and I reached out to them and I you know met with them and I I actually did my student teaching with one of them so I I made sure I that is who I want to be, you know. Right. And so they really had a big impact. I was also impacted by, you know, people that helped me and instructed me with my experience, experiential education mm-hmm. when I worked out after my undergrad and worked down in the Florida Keys, and they kind of showed me how to do outdoor education. Right. And those, those people helped, really inspired me as well. What would it mean to you if one of your students was the first human on Mars? Well, of course it'd be amazing, right? right. It, it would be mixed because you'd be you'd be like nervous for them, especially if they were the first because you know about the risks and they're super high. But just proud of them. And feeling like hopefully you made an impact and you and you know that you did because they went into science and but I think it would just be a lot of emotions, yeah. excitement, but also, you know, worried and hoping, hoping for the best. Right. 
that would be incredible. Right. Yeah. That would be really cool. And it's a possibility. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. And then you can get on social media. Oh, goodness, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> my students. It'd be amazing. Yeah. The social media will be different then. Right. Right? It changes every Totally. Seconds, it'll yeah. be totally different. Just like with any technology. You can never keep up with no. it. No. No. How... Have you incorporated your degree in, because you said you had a degree in environmental biology and zoology. Yeah. Do you incorporate that? Like, in your so, I don't teach biology, but, but, but like any science, there's a way to approach it and a way to think and the scientific method. And so, of course, I implement that into my, my um, curriculum. I've had the opportunity, especially like environmental stuff, you can apply that with any branch so I studied more biology biological sciences but as far as environmental go I bring that up all the time it's not even you know really heavy in middle school physical science but just trying to connect a lot to global warming co2 output you can really I do a lot of chemistry I do about three quarters of the year like a basic chemistry and then do a little bit of conceptual physics but I can incorporate that environmental aspect all the time. But you can also incorporate biology right. with the chemistry, organic chemistry. Um, you don't go in deep, the, as depth. But you, you, I often will say, you'll see this in 10th grade in biology, and you'll, you'll study more of, like, polar covalent and, you know, lipid, you know, bilayer structure of the cell and phospholipid bilayer. Uh, but... I think it's just the way you approach science. Right. You can incorporate that, you know, with any degree that you have. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll wrap up here. Uh, is there anything that you would like to kind of, last parting thoughts? I mean, I just love what I do. And I enjoy, I, I enjoy the support from different organizations like Space Foundation that have the Teacher Liaison Program, which, which gives you... Um, it helps you connect, you know. My, my biggest thing is I, I have a core group of teachers that are like-minded. And we're, we're constantly learning. We can all claim that we're lifelong learners. And I, I know that I am. I'm constantly um, perfecting my craft. Yes. And uh, I love how we have these opportunities where we can get together. We can share best practices. We can, you know, just different resources that we find. And we talk on social media a lot. We we share what we share what we're doing. We congratulate each other for winning awards or being recognized. And so that's what I just I really appreciate and love the fact that I found like my space community, my space family, and I'm I'm able to like share a lot of the things that I learn and I and I can implement things that I learn from them. I can implement that into my classroom as well. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Ashley. That concludes this episode of the Space Foundation Space for You podcast. Keep your eyes and ears open for more Space for You episodes by checking out our social media outlets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, check out our website at www.spacefoundation.org. On all of those outlets and more, it is our goal to inspire, educate, connect, and advocate for the space community. Because of the Space Foundation, we will always have space for you. Thank you.